enjoyed being here. I've been blessed. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to reading the Psalms and your prayers. And my heart was touched by that, also by the song service. And I do love Brother Lewis a lot. I respect him. You've got a great pastor. And I've been with him the last two or three days. We've had a good time together. And uh, I'm really glad that he and Ike still are buddies. They talk off every day. I know Ike and him serve together down here, and they're still close. I'm glad that they are. I think God put a sermon on my heart. I'm not going to have a lot of notes today. I usually have notes when I preach, but I don't have any today. But I really think I got a sermon that has been building up uh, for a while. So I want to talk to you about that. I've got a main text I'll go to. And I've got three potential titles, so I'm going to give you all three of the titles, and then uh, settle on one. One title is going to be The Bottom Line. You'll know what I'm talking about in a minute, The Bottom Line. And then another one would be The Only Thing That Really Counts. And then another one would be The Assurance of Salvation. I'll probably take that Assurance of Salvation, but uh, now I'm going to use the main text. But I won't go to that text first. I want to tell you three stories first of all. I had a friend named, I still got a friend. He doesn't live in Memphis anymore. His name is Jim McSwain. I got a PhD in history. He taught at Tuskegee for a while. And uh, so he had a daddy named John McSwain. I just, I just barely met his daddy. And so John and his wife, they were good Christian people too, real good devout Christians. And so uh, John got sick and they went to the doctor. And so, Mr. McSwain, you got terminal cancer, and it's pretty fast. i got a bad news for you. So he's sitting there with his wife, and he began to kind of, you know, whimper a little bit. She put her hand over on John's hand. She said, John, you know, Jesus Christ, that's all that counts. That's the truth. So he, he got pretty happy about that. He, he quit whimpering. If you know Jesus Christ, that's all that counts. And then Ronald Reagan, who I really enjoyed him being president for two terms, and uh, I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I hope he was. I know he was a good president. But anyway, uh, the story is told that when he got out of office the second time, so he said, well, President Reagan, you'll never run for office again. You'll never have another election. He said, I got one more. It's the only one that counts. Well, the Lord let me in heaven. It's all that counts. I got another story. It's kind of humorous, but it's, a, it's got a good point to it. Tim Cannon used to pastor Little Flock Church at Burnville, Mississippi. And there are two women there, real poor. They were sisters. And so uh, one of them had a porch just falling apart. Had this old shack she lived in. And so the thing is, she couldn't afford to get fixed. It's word of death. <laughs> kind of funny, really, this is, in a way. But, you know, Christians can laugh at stuff that other people can't laugh at. Anyway, she was a doctor, too. And so she said, Sister, I got news. bad news. You got terminal cancer, and you won't be here long. She called her sister and said, Hey, guess what? I ain't got to worry about that porch anymore. <laughs> Where's your porch? What are you worried about? Done about the hill of beans compared to glory. That's all that counts, my friend, if we know Jesus Christ. That's all that, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Listen, I was talking today, coming up here about a lot of wealthy people who are ungodly. And, uh, they may have, like Psalm 73 says in Psalm 37, about threatening not yourself and call of evildoers. 
And they, they said in Psalm 73, sometimes they had these great lives, this wonderful health, this amazing wealth, their kids are doing great. They lift up their hand against God, they're cursing God, they're not living right. And suddenly, they go into terrors. You're going to have a lot of people. The bottom line is, my friend, do we know Jesus Christ? So I want to talk to you about the assurance of salvation. And I'll go to one main text. I hope I can go to some more. Hope you'll be in prayer. I really hope this will be have an impact on us. You can't really do anything by getting saved. You know that? Some people don't believe that. I believe that with all my heart. If you're saved, it's by grace. You are dead in trespasses and sin. Dead people can't do anything. They can't even cooperate with anybody. They're dead and they're dead, but then the Lord saves them. So you can't do anything about your salvation. You do a lot about the assurance of your salvation if you are saved, and you ought to. So I'm going to read over here, and uh, I'm going to use it for text, and I hope God will bless this, and then I'm going to go to some other places maybe. We'll see how the time goes. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 1. And I'll make some suggestions to you to so do some more reading when I get through that we probably won't have time to get through. I want the assurance of my salvation. Um, I, I want to feel like I'm the Lord's child. Now, I do most of the time. The devil is bothering me a lot. And I know I'm a sinner, and that bothers me real badly. It ought to bother you too, but not to the point that I doubt my salvation. And I'll tell you this, the closer you live to God, the more assurance you're going to have your salvation. So I want to encourage you to live close to God. You can take anything in this life if you have the assurance of your salvation. Isn't that amazing? We're heading for glory. We're strangers and pilgrims. My friend, this world's not our home. This world's not, God said, don't love the world. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. The lust of flesh, the lust of eyes, the pride of life, not the father of the world. The world's perishing. I'm not, I, and you know, as our world civilization falls apart here, and it's falling apart, cultural collapse, we can see that anybody has any kind of a, awareness of what's going on at all. We're more aware that this, I'm a stranger here. I'm, I'm here, you're here on a mission. I'm here on a mission to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got a job today, friends. Your job is to be salt and light while you're here. Your job is to so let your light so shine before the men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's our job, to be lights. That's our job. But it's not to put our roots down here because this place is going to burn up on these days. The rock of Gibraltar is going to burn up on these days. Did you know that? We went over to Nicaragua with Timothy to, on a mission trip. And one of the most amazing things I ever saw was the Asaya Volcano. Amazing volcano. I, it just really moved me. This gigantic volcano. It's an active volcano. It has not erupted in many years. But still, they call it an active volcano. And they got this smoke coming up, this sulfur smoke. And then the bottom, there's a pool of molten lava. That's melted rock. You can hear it bubble. And you can see it flash at nighttime. I can just see angels casting sinners into hell. I really could. Especially conquistadors called it the gate of hell. And I could just see all that. But what amazed me was that rock melted. And God would tell us in Second Peter, my friend, some of these days the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. The world going to be destroyed. So this place is not perfect. But here's good news for you, though. According to Second Peter, nevertheless, according to his promise, we look for new heavens, a new earth, wherein righteousness shall dwell. That's where I'm heading for. Is that where you want to go? I'll go to the new heavens, the new earth, where righteousness does dwell. Let me take a few sidelines here, a few rabbit trails. Do you know what God's children are going to be enjoying someday? A glorified universe in glorified bodies. Isn't that going to be amazing? That's the truth. Heaven's not a place where you float around on a cloud somewhere in an airy way. 
Your body, my friend, shall be resurrected. That's the central doctrine of Christianity. Those bodies that we see placed in the dust will be raised glorious one of these days. May lock into the body of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Now, let, let's think about that. My eyes are not doing great right now. I may even stumble a little bit reading it for you. Don't be embarrassed about that. It doesn't embarrass me. I just need glasses. I, I, I got some new glasses. I need to get some more new glasses. I guess all these too. But anyway, my friend, someday I'm going to have amazing vision. Amazing hearing. We got good singers at Ripley. The Green Family is a major singer and other good singers too. Rachel, as much as you like to sing, I honestly believe there'll be many octaves above what we have now, many octaves below. The music is going to be so incredible. We can't imagine what it'd be like. We can enjoy that. I'm going to be a brilliant genius in heaven. I wish I was smarter than that. I'm going to be a genius. You will be too. My mind will not be clouded with sin. I'm going to have unlimited energy. I'll probably never have to go to bed. In fact, I, the light, it's going to be a light all the time because the limb is the light thereof. We may be able to go to Mars and have a picnic sometime. Who knows? We could fly away. Jesus Christ flew in his glorified body. Isn't that amazing? That's a reality, folks. The new heavens, the new earth where righteousness does dwell, not have a sinful thought. All we lose in death is our sinful nature. I want to lose my sinful nature. Don't you want to lose yours? All the Hebrew children lost, my friend, in that fire furnace were their bonds. That's all they lost. All we will lose in death is our heaven, is our sinful nature. Paul said, I want to depart with Christ, which is far better. The thief on the cross was told by Jesus Christ, today you will be with me in paradise. I know you have good unity here at Ripley, but it's not perfect unity. We don't have perfect unity at Grace Chapel. We have good marriages, but you don't have perfect unity. But isn't it going to be a good to be in a place? There's not one quarrel, not one difference. All total perfect unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and the whole family of God. Isn't that going to be glorious? And Brother Lewis McClellan is right. God knows your intimate details of your life. He's interested in the intimate details of your life. He knows your thoughts. He, he watches over you 24-7 like he said. He, everything about you, he loves you so much. We won't be lost, my friend, in a big crowd in heaven. Have you ever worried about that? All the billions here, I'll be lost. There. You won't be lost in the crowd. I don't know how the Lord does that. He had a personal relationship with each of you at the same time. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, I wasn't going to preach on that, but it's good stuff, isn't it? My friends, that's all that counts. You can take anything here for a while. If you've got cancer, if you're in constant pain, like a lot of you are, if, you, if, you're, if you're crippled up like old Hugh that I love so much is, that used to be a great track star, Hugh, someday you talk about a track star, you're going to run like you never ran before. You'll be leaping and walking and praising Almighty God forever. And I got to say this too. This will blow your mind. It has to blow our minds because we got finite minds, but God is infinite. Listen, you know Jesus Christ now, right? You do if you're born again. You want to know him better. Paul wanted to know him better. He knew him real well, but he said, but still, even though he knew him, he still said over in Philippians 3, in this great prayer, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. He was not satisfied with his knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wanted to know more about him. When you die, you have a quantum leap. But hold it, you're just getting started. You'll have a quantum leap. Listen, now I'm going to tell you something you can't comprehend. You're not supposed to comprehend it, but you ought to rejoice in it. You're going to be learning more about Jesus Christ forever. You'll never know him totally because he's infinite and you're finite. You'll not be God like the Mormons say you will be, but you'll be learning more about Jesus Christ forever. You're not, heaven won't be a boring place. 
You know, let's just say you got a new car. I've I, I got a long time until I had a new car. I had a steady one value at my last car, and I had it new. Slam six engine, pretty good engine on that thing. Anyway, though, uh, so you get a new car. Man, that thing smells. Got that new car smell. Woo! I don't have any dents in it. That thing is shiny. I love this thing. Well, it's great. After about a month, the new wears off a little bit. After a couple of years, the new just worn off. The new will never walk off of heaven. We have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's going to be new every day, every second. We can't imagine that. So, my friend, that's all that counts. Am I going there? If I'm going there, you know why I'm going? I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a pure place, and sinners can't get in. Not even one sin can get in. And I'm a big sinner. i got bukus of sins about me. I hate my sins, but I've got lots of them. The older I get, it seems like the more debt I pile up. But my friend, the Son of God has paid my entire debt by his atoning blood on the cross of Christ. So right now, let me tell you, I'll say something in a minute about justification. Right now, if you're one of his children, you're justified right now. That means you're not guilty right now. Paul said that in Romans 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It's like you're not guilty before God right now. That's right. You're still a sinner. You're not glorified yet. There's still consequences for your sins. But my friend, right now, you're justified. You, if you really got hold of that, you'd jump up and shout, and I would too. You'd jump up right now and shout. I'm justified. I'm not guilty, as if I had never sinned. Not only pardoned, but, but justified. What's the difference between pardon and justification? Well, pardon, if old, uh, if I'm the governor, and I'll pick on Brother Lewis here on the front bench, if he committed a sin or some crime, and he's gonna have to go to prison, I can pardon him. But he's still guilty, really, isn't he? He doesn't have to suffer the consequences of the law, but he's still guilty. My friend, justification means he didn't even sin. It's just gone. It's the sin gone. Isn't that amazing? That's because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you and I ought to live under the shadow of the cross. Let me tell you, say this. And young people, listen. You young people, we old people need just as much as you do. Maybe even more. But sometimes young people need to be made more serious-minded. Listen, kids, live right. Live right. I had a minister that was in my ordination named Norman Cooper. He had a great preacher. He had a, he, he, he's a matey preacher. And so he lived a rough life. Then God got him born again. And he became a wonderful preacher. Then they had some church trouble. He got disillusioned. So and be careful to get disillusioned because the devil will jump on you. So then he said, oh, the heck with it. I'm going back and live in the world. So he went down to a saloon like he used to go before he got born again. He said, I sat there on the table and they brought out this bottle of whiskey and I poured it in my glass and I lifted up my lips. He said, suddenly I saw a bleeding lamb. And I put that glass and I walked out of there. I hope to God you see a bleeding lamb every time you try to get to sin. My friend, the bleeding lamb is the one who prayed our sin debt. We owe him everything. Mind, body, and soul. Lock, stock, and barrel. We belong to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, you're not your own. Do you realize that? We live in a world that's filled with autonomy. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I want to have an abortion because I can control my own body. You know what I'm talking about. I can live the way I want to. You can't live the way you want to. My friend, you live the way God wants you to live. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies and your spirits, which belong to Almighty God. Now, let me turn now to my text. What a great God we have. Let's read a few verses in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and the church of our salvation. But don't forget, my friend, all that counts is, am I heading for glory? We can take anything. I don't know what I'll go through before I die. 
I read, uh, I really worries me when I see people who are hurting really badly. We got some people in our church, one of my brother-in-law had a chronic pain. Herb Hatfield had a dear sister in the church there just got burned really badly. She's going through a terrible time in Birmingham now. I don't know what I'll go through. Joe went through a lot, didn't he? But Joe never cursed God. Now, but here's what he did do. He cursed the day of his birth. I may curse the day of my birth. I hope not. If I got burned in terrible pain, I might curse the day of my birth, but I won't curse God. Because what, I'd like to pray for a week, but I won't. Listen, friend, I'm fixing to read you something about what you've got inside you that's going to stick you, you're going to make it. You're going to, if you're a God child, you're going to make it. You have some slip ups, you're going to have some fall downs, you're going to have some mess ups, but I guarantee you're going to make it. I guarantee you're going to make it. God, my friend, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. You don't forget that. So if you get wounded by the devil, don't wallow in your sin and misery. Repent because God has not through with you yet. And Lewis said over in Romans 8, 1 through 39, nobody and nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Greater is he that in you than he that's in the world. I preached to Sarah one time, you can't lose for winning, and you can't. You can't lose for winning if you're one of God's children. You'll have some hard times. Listen, this world's not designed to be an easy place. It's not designed to be an easy place. God doesn't know it to be an easy place for us. It's a difficult life, but we, and I love what you, I wrote that down while I go what you said. I'm going to preach a sermon on suffering well. We're going to all suffer. Let's try to suffer well. All right, let's read now in 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained, to get this, obtained like precious faith of us through the righteousness of God and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can preach a whole sermon on that verse I won't. Let's read the verse again and make a few comments. Simon Peter, a servant of Jesus and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Let's stop there a minute. That word obtained in the Greek means given by divine allotment. The, the, the Greek dictionary says, it says a ripe fruit had dropped off your lap. That's how you got salvation. By divine allotment, you've obtained, my friend, you've obtained like precious faith. You got faith given to you. But why? Because of the righteousness of God and our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I won't preach a theological sermon right now, but let me tell you this. Some people think you're not justified till you believe. You know, salvation is by grace, but have you ever heard people say that? Almost everybody said that. Salvation by, by grace, but you got to believe. If you're born again, you will believe. That's not a condition. That's a, that's a, that's a evidence. You see what I'm saying? I know there's justification by faith, but there's also something besides justification by faith. There's eternal justification. Where did the faith come from? Let's read that again. Let's not get the cart before the horse. You obtain, like, how do you get your faith? Through the righteousness and that justification of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's like over Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice to God than Cain, by which he obtained witness he is righteous. That's not what made him righteous. He obtained witness he is righteous, that faith. If you got faith, my friend, as long as God gave you that faith, because Jesus Christ, you're justified on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. I won't get involved in that right now, but it's a great thing. Now, what I want to point out, you got faith. Now, here, faith is almost a synonym with eternal life. Let's keep reading. I'll read that verse again. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you 
through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I can't preach on every verse. That's, those are all great verses. According to, to, to his divine, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us the Lord in virtue. Now, we got everything we need. That's verse said. We've really got everything we need. You know that? We got everything we need. Spiritually. Let's read that. According to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. Those are great virtues, but I can't comment on it now. But you, but you got what you need. You got what you need. Won't you possess Canaan land? It belongs to you, doesn't it? If you're, if you got salvation, you got Canaan's land. It belongs to you. But he told them the part you will really enjoy what your feet go on, what you actually possess. And Christians have got a lot, my friend. Sometimes we don't go and possess what we've really got. I would encourage you to do that. It won't be easy. You gotta have some priorities. You can't be watching YouTube all the time like I do too much. You can't be looking at your phone all the time like too many people do. You can't spend all kinds of time. You gotta spend some time in God's Word. You gotta spend time in prayer. You gotta spend time in doing service to the saints of God Almighty. I hope the older I get, the more I get involved in stuff like that. I do hope I finish strong. Hope you finish strong. My friend, what's really, what's your life all, what's life all about? What do you want out of life? I hope it's knowing Jesus Christ better. Anyway, let's keep reading. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Boy, the Bible, exceeding great and precious promises. The, the most precious of all, Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the world we get eternal life. In hope of eternal life. Are you hoping for eternal life? That's an expectation. That's the only thing that really counts, right? In hope of eternal life, that God that cannot lie, promised before the world again. So I'll read verse three, 4 again. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, I'm going to get up where the rubber meets the road. Here's my friend, how we really can have the assurance of our salvation by living obedient lives to God. That's how we have it. The closer you live to God, the more he lets you know you're saved. So, let's begin to read. Beside this, giving all diligence. Somebody said something in one of the prayers today about diligence. Giving all diligence. Add your faith. Just say add faith. You've got the faith. That's the basic gift. You got you obtained that through this divine allotment. But what are we going to do now? I'm going to read these and say a few comments about each one of them. Lewis can preach a whole sermon on each one of them. Maybe he'll do it someday. So you ought to think about each one of these. What are you going to add to your faith? You've got faith. You've got eternal life. What are you going to do with it? It's a free gift, but what are you going to do with it? How are you going to develop it? Like somebody may have some great athletic skills, but they get kind of lazy and don't develop them. There may be somebody else that has less skills, but they put some time in. They're trying to be a better athlete. What are you going to do with the things God's given you? The skills that God gave you when he gave you faith. Develop it. Develop it. Okay, let's go now. Beside this, giving all diligence, add your faith, virtue, moral excellence. There's more to it than that, but that's, that's the basic. Moral excellence. Live like a Christian. Live godly lives. Listen, we live in an age when people don't even know how to blush anymore. Somebody wrote a book about that. We learned, we got, we all learned how to blush. We live in a cesspool culture. It said in Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. How's your love doing? 
We're surrounded every day by iniquity, aren't we? On the media outlets, people we see every day. We're not better than anybody else. I'm not saying you're self-righteous, but my friend, don't let that affect us. I told Lewis today, we got to talk about the horror of abortion. I said, Lewis, I got so used to abortion, it didn't bother me like it ought to. It's a brutal murder of a person made in the image of God. Our land is saturated with blood, but it doesn't bother me like it ought to. I hope it gets to bother me again. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We need to be around godly people. I'm glad you're here this morning. Under the style of the gospel of Christ, the Bible, we need, my friend, to have a subculture. All right. First, okay, that's moral excellence. To virtue of knowledge, we've got to have knowledge. You can't make it without the Bible. You know, I've been serving God a long time. I baptized when I was 13 years old, 1954. I got ordained in 1967, and I still have a constant struggle with sin. And you will too. But here's what happens. Sometimes, maybe some, you can identify with this. Sometimes I don't want to get out of bed. I've slept all night. I'm a little bit lazy. And I say, you know, Zach, you're such a rotten sinner. What are you going to do getting out of bed for? You ever feel that way? I feel like a sheep-eating dog sometimes. you never done anything right. You've done everything wrong. What are you going to get out of bed for? I don't do that every day. But you know what happens when I get up and you get to memorizing, quoting, or reading the Bible? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I, I got to quote the verse one time, not long ago, several days in a row. It helped me out a lot. The last verse of Jude. Now to him is able to keep you from falling, to you faultless for the presence of his glory, the exceeding joy, the only wise God, our Savior, the glory of majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. And that got me going. So we have knowledge, haven't we? Knowledge. Add to your faith knowledge. The knowledge temperance, that means self-control. We need to exercise self-control over our bodies and over our minds. Have you ever heard anybody say, you can talk about something, say, I'm not going there. There's a lot of places we just don't need to go. But you know what? I'm not going there. In fact, over in 2 uh, Timothy 1.7, God had not given us the spirit of fear, a power of love to a sound mind. That, that sound mind means a control mind. We need to control our minds. See, we're sinners. You know that, don't you? You sure you know that. We all know, as we've been born again, then the civil war starts in our bodies and souls. Right? The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. You cannot do the thing that you would. We know that. So we, we got to, every morning we get up, I'm in a battle today. I've got to win this battle by using the weapon of warfare, the warfare that God's given me. So I've got to exercise self-control. I may look at some picture, but I, I, I'm not going to keep looking at it. Uh-oh, I didn't wish I hadn't seen that. I'm getting out of here. I'm in a bad environment. I'm out of here. Like Joseph, he fled. I got, I'm looking at something on YouTube, something bad. I'm cutting this sucker off right now. I'm not going to indulge in that. I'm not feeding that sinful nature. I'm going to feed my spiritual nature. My friend, it's a real battle. You know what I'm talking about. I know you do. And self-control. We live in an age that doesn't know anything about self-control. If we have another depression, we'll probably have all kinds of civil rights. You know that? Everybody wants instant gratification. We're all spoiled. And I'm glad we're spoiled, but we better be careful, hadn't we? I, my wife's such a good cook. If I don't, if I don't get something real good, I don't like it. I don't tell her that. I, I, I want a real, I want a gourmet meal other time too. I usually get a gourmet meal. But I want, I, I like luxury. It's ruining our nation, however, though. We can, it's not wrong to have wealth. It's wrong to get a hold of us. So we get to exercise self-control in our minds and our bodies. That's why you do some fasting sometimes and praying. All right, temperance. 
To temperance, patience. That means, that means endurance. And it's not a word, that's not a bad word, that's a great good word. You say endure, I mean, grip my teeth and grin and bear it. No, it's, it's a, it's a, I want to hold out for God's sake. It's a patience exercise. It's like that suffering well, I guess, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get out. I'm not trying to get out from this trial. I want God to help me to glorify Him in this trial. So I'm exercising patience, endurance. Listen, friends, we're not in a hundred yard dash in our lives. We're in a marathon. The Bible talks about race. We're in a marathon. And marathons, you've seen them. I know my family run marathon. I've never run one. But they tell me, my friend, sometime I get to where I don't think I'll make another step. Then God give me a second win. Or some friend will give me a bottle of water on the way. Or somebody give me a word of encouragement. That's what the church is all about. We're to encourage each other in our race and we run our marathons. You see a brother sister down, go encourage them. Pray for them. Help them out. You see somebody down, don't stomp on them. Pick them back up. Go help them repent. Patient, uh, uh, temperance. All right, then temperance. It's godliness. That's a great word. I, I, I don't, I, I won't even try to explain that right now. It's got such a breath. Me study that out. I'm being more, more like God. I, it's, it's, so it's, I, I, let Lewis talk to you about that. I don't mess it up right now. It's a great word, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Isn't it good to be kind? Are you kind to people or are you harsh to people? Let me ask you a question. You answer it to your own self. Uh, do people like to be around you? What about your wife? Uh, when you come home, is she kind of afraid you'll snap at her? Or is she just thrilled to see you because you don't use a kind word? What about your kids? Are you afraid, you're afraid your kids say, Dad, he'd be so harsh, they wish he had to come home? Or is he going to have these kind words? My friend, we need to be kind to one another. You never know when you're going to help somebody out. You know that? You may, you may say, say somebody's life by a kind word. I've told this so many times. I know I've told it Ripley, but I'll tell it again. Uh, my wife's aunt, husband left her. She was grieved. He left her. He, had a, he shouldn't have done it. It was a terrible thing. So she decided, I'm going to commit suicide. I can't take this. She lived in Arkansas. She went to Little Rock to a high-rise hotel. I'm going to go up in my room. I'm taking these pills. I'm out of here. But I'm going to get one last cup of coffee. She'd go down to the coffee shop. And some lady was alert and saw her face and said, Honey, is something bothering you? So it saved her life. You may save somebody's life. A kind word goes a long way, doesn't it? We brotherly kindness, and that's brotherly kindness. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Listen, Ripley Church needs to have, and we do, I know you do to an extent, we need to have such an atmosphere that people say, those people really love each other, love people. You know, but God, even Jesus Christ told us, by this shall all men know you're my disciples because you have loved one to another. Now, even though he didn't love each other in a way, when I was going to graduate school, and we were, I had a graduate assistant friend that was not a Christian, and my daddy died, and he went with me to the funeral home, and, it, and he wasn't even a believer. It blew him out of the water. said, Zach, I've never seen this kind of the love. I've never seen this kind of affection. I've never seen this kind of support. I'm glad it stuck out. But regular old church members know what they always do. It stuck out in this cruel world we live in. Brotherly kindness. Let's be kind one another. Listen, the world's a cruel place. Let's let the church be a refuge. We, we build each other up. I go and get my wounds uh, healed in the church. I see friendly faces. Okay, then to brotherly kind of charity. That's the ultimate right there. That's the, that's the kind of unconditional love to charity. All right? Lewis will probably preach on it sometime. He can do a good job. Verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, be in you and abound. Not just a little bit, abound. We're working on these. They make you... You shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, 
the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to know more and more of Jesus Christ. He that lacketh these things is blind, can't see afar off, he forgotten his purpose of his old sins. I don't think he's talking about a reprobate here. He may be. I, don't, I think he's talking about a Christian who had lived right. But they, God will not let you have this year to your salvation if you don't live close to him. I want to know God loves me. Do you? You, you could die at any moment. You know that? I hope to God that when I do die, whether it be a flash death or a slow death, I've got the assurance my Lord is with me. I'm going to glory. We need to live as every day were our last day because it may be one of these days. It will be one of these days. Verse 10, powerhouse. This is what I'm really going to. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Well, Brother Zach, I don't understand that. I thought y'all preached election here. I thought it was sure. It is to God. I'll give you a little Greek lesson. That's in the middle voice right there. Now, here we go. The active voice is, I threw a ball. I'm active. The passive voice is the ball was thrown. That's passive. Rick's got a different kind of voice. It kind of mixes the two up. I wash myself. I'm both the actor and the recipient. That's what this verse is in. That's not in there for, for acting. The Holy Ghost did that. Make your calling election sure to yourself. Make your calling election sure to yourself. It's sure to God. People worry about election. Down at that Bible conference we had, at David Powell, who's down at Jackson, I talked to a young man. He wasn't afraid about it. He was worried about his salvation. He really worried about his salvation. He thought he accepted Christ three or four times. He wasn't sure he did it right or not. I felt sorry for him. But we talked about that quite a bit. Make your calling election sure. I, told, listen, I told him, I said, I said, you really love Jesus Christ? He said, he did. I'm going to ask you, do you love Jesus Christ? Do you really do? Well, you're born again because he first loved you. Isn't that great? He loved you. Or you wouldn't love him. It's impossible to love him if, you, if he didn't love you first. I got... I prayed, I've been preaching election all my life, but I got real happy about that, that last week. God, you mean you love me before the world began? You must have because I love you. I'm a sorry rotten sinner. I know that, but I still know I love you. That means that the Bible says I love you because you first loved me. You love me from eternity. There's never been a time you have not had your love set on me. That's not just a dry doctrine. That's a something to rejoice in. That's what I'm rejoicing in. All right, let's keep going. Oh, oh, let me say this too. Not only do you make it sure to yourself, you make it sure to others. I preach a lot of funerals. You know I enjoy funerals. Does that sound kind of, kind of weird? I don't enjoy all the funerals. You know why I enjoy funerals? Now, when I say there's an amazing sadness, of course, but my friend, when you preach the funeral of a child of God, you're preaching a graduation ceremony. You're preaching a glorious celebration of somebody who's gone to glory. So when somebody has lived it away, I, you know, we even the song in your book is that the, the righteous soul is gone. The life they live here below is proof that rest, rest above. You know how it goes. Get the poetry wrong. You know what I'm talking about. My friend, I love to preach the funeral people who I know that they're gone to your glory because the life they live is proof they're a child of God. So we need, we're obligated. Remember, calling, looking sure to ourselves and to others. Then verse 11. This is great. I'm just going to, I'm not going to preach much longer. I'm going to tell you some places to go though. Look over in verse 11 now. This is amazing. I start, I get a running start from verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling election sure. If you do these things, you should never fall. You won't even stumble. That's what that word really means. This, look at this. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly 
everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know I talked too fast, so I've got to slow down and read that real slow. Look at that. For so an abundant entrance, an abundant entrance shall be ministered unto you. For so an entrance, I mean, shall be ministered unto you abundantly, everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the heaven, that's heaven's door. Isn't that glorious? That's heaven's door. An abundant entrance. I promise you, my friend, as a child of God, when your time to go, you will have an abundant entrance. You shouldn't be afraid of death if you're born again. Hebrews says that. He came that we would lose the fear of death, which would keep us in bondage. Live your life free. God, now, be careful how you live. Don't tempt God. Do the best you can to be diligent and, 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 and have common sense and all that. But, my friend, if you have the fear of death, it's like the devil had got you in bonds. He got a weight around you. Paul was free to just live. He was one step ahead of death for 30 or 40 years, but he just free. He knew my time in God's hands. And he knew when he did die, it'd be the best day of his life because that's the day he saw Jesus Christ. Had an abundant entrance. You're going to have a welcome to heaven like you can't imagine. I can't prove this, so I'm not going to prove it, but I'm going to say what I think may be true. I don't know. I know one thing. I will have a welcome committee in heaven. It may just be a one-man welcome committee. It may be Jesus Christ. I know I will. Because we know that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, signifying his work is accomplished. When he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. But we know he got up once. He got up a lot of times. Every time a child of God goes to heaven, he gets up. We know, don't we, what about this over at Acts, when Stephen, my friend, saw heaven open, he said, I see the Son of Man standing by the throne of God. He was standing up because his martyr was coming home. He give him a personal welcome. You have a personal welcome by Jesus Christ. Personal welcome. I can't imagine that. Brother Davis, he's a real man. He's a man. He's the God man. He's the glorified Christ. He's, he got, they, they saw him with many infallible proofs after his resurrection. The same one who had died was raised again. And you, my friend, will have a, and he'll, you'll see him face to face. Now you see him by an eye of faith. That's great, but it's going to be better to see him actually one of these days. That makes life worth living, doesn't it? Now, write these down. I can't keep going. I'll just give you something to think about. Write them down. I'll tell you where to go. You ought to have a heavenly mindset. Go over in Colossians chapter one, the first three verses, first four verses. Seek the things which are above. Set your affection on things which are above. I won't quote the whole thing. If I do, I'll be here all day. Get those verses out now. Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Then go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the last few verses. It's a context of suffering. And he says, here's how we make it. While we look not at the things that are seen, the things that are not seen, things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. Isn't that great? Second Corinthians chapter 4, the last few verses. Now also, you want the assurance of your salvation? Let me tell you two places to go and work on it. I hope you'll work on some of this. First John is a book that is designed to give God's children the assurance of their salvation. It's assuming the people in First John are saved. But there are several things that mark a child of God. I'll tell you what, they're, they're, they're through the warp and woof of the book. you got to find them in there. Do you love God? That's one of them. Do you love God's children? That's one of them. you want obedient to God? That's one of them. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? That's one of them. Get them, get you, if you want to have a good Bible study, get you 
some, just get, read First John, get some categories, and write, I'm going to find birth where I love God, I love his children, I want to be obedient, and I'll believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? Where, where, let's go to one more place. How about the Beatitudes? How about the fifth chapter of, of Matthew? Are you poor in spirit? Do you mourn because of your sins? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? But you're heading for glory. Now I'm going to close with this. I'm going to give you a little test. I'm serious about this. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe from your heart, unreservedly, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in Bethlehem? Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? I have no problem. I'm not a liberal theologian. I believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. And he was put in that manger. I believe that. Do you believe we don't hear anything about him until he's 12 years old? Then he's with the doctors of the temple, confounding them with his wisdom. Do you really believe that really happened? A real boy, 12-year-old boy, did that. Do you believe then that later on in his public ministry, he actually got baptized by John the Baptist? Do you believe, my friend, he heard a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Ghost came down on him on the form of a dove. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe what the gospel said about him? He went preaching and doing good. Then he raised letters to the dead. Do you believe that? He said, letters come forth. Do you believe, my friend, that he made, uh, this would give me chill. Every time I sang the song, I got to raise my hand on one verse. The wind and will, the wind and wave still know his voice who rules out here below. He said, peace be still, and it got quiet. Do you believe, my friend, he made the blind to see? And he cleansed the lepers. Do you believe the Pharisees were after him all the time, tormenting him? Do you believe, my friend, this precious one went to the Garden of Gethsemane and spread, as it were, great drops of blood? Being in agony, he prayed all earnestly? Do you believe he got that mock trial of those stinking Jews and Romans, my brother? Do you believe, my friend, they scourged that precious son of God, the horrible scourge, you know, they tore his body up with that horrible scourge. Do you really believe that? He was a human being, by the way. He felt that pain. Do you believe, my friend, they took him to Calvary and crucified him. They put the thorns in his head and the specks in his precious hands and feet. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that, my friend, he really gave the ghost up? You can't give it up. You're going to just go. But he gave his up into thy hands. I command my spirit. Do you believe he did that? Do you believe they placed him, my friend, in Douglas New too, hid there three days? And then do you believe, my friend, they came on that morning that the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. Do you believe, my friend, he was here for 40 days and nights, showing by many infallible proofs, that same one who died was risen again. Then do you believe over the first chapter of Acts, they saw him go up into heaven, and, he, the, and the angel said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye getting into the heavens? Because the, you see him, he comes back in like manner. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe he's coming in? Well, if you believe all this, you, you got it made. If you can say in your heart you believe that, you're heading for heaven. That's all that counts. God bless you.